23. Matthew chapter 23. And this morning we're going to just cover verses 1 through 12 here. As Jesus uh, speaks to the scribes and Pharisees, he teaches the people about them. And look what he says and what we read there in verse 1. It says, And then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees, they sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. But do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. For they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the best seats at the feasts, the best seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplaces, and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But you do not be called Rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ. And you are all brethren. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. And do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ. But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Let's pray one more time. Father, Lord, as we begin now, Matthew chapter 23, Lord, uh, so much hypocrisy here, Father God. And so much pride. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that you would humble us. I pray, Lord, that we would be uh, the real deal, Lord, and you would just use this word, this chapter, in our life. Again, I thank you, Father, for allowing us to study your word together. I pray you would just uh, give me the right words, the right thoughts. Give us, Lord God, today your message, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I thought about doing this whole chapter in, in one study because it's kind of more or less, you know, one message, Jesus' denunciation of the scribes and Pharisees. But, um, you know, there's so much here that I, I really think we're going to just kind of slow down and we're going to take three weeks in covering this chapter because, you know, that is a struggle in the church today, uh, hypocrisy. It's a huge struggle in the church today and everywhere, and that is pride. And so we're going to slow down and we're going to ask God to remove this from us. You know, I remember reading a story about a father who was complaining about the amount of time his family spent in front of the television. He was so upset. They were there for so long. His children watched cartoons and neglected schoolwork. His wife preferred soap operas to housework. And so what was his solution? He said, as soon as baseball season is over, I'm going to pull the plug on that you know, television. And, and you know, what, what is that? Well, that's hypocrisy. You know, we all have a little bit of hypocrisy inside of us, whether you want to admit it or not. You know, it's been said that, oh, you know, you've got to find a church where there's no hypocrites. Well, there's no such thing, right? I mean, and, you know, uh, it's been said that a hypocrite is one who doesn't intend to be 
what they pretend to be. That's deeply hypocritical right there. And that's the worst form of hypocrisy. You know, we're all kind of pretending in one sense. You know, you don't like that person. You kind of don't go up to them and tell them usually, I don't like you. You know, you do your best to try to be cordial to them. And unfortunately, because we're not home yet, because we still live in this body of death, I hate to say it, but in one sense, we're all kind of hypocritical but what we need to understand is that god really wants to do a work in our life and he definitely doesn't want it to get to the extreme of the scribes and the pharisees and so as we go and go through our study today it's kind of broken up into three sections number one is observation observation that's in verses one through three a number two is explanation explanation that's in verses three b through seven and then number three is I don't know if you want to call it education or admonition, which is a corrective cautionary teaching, but that's what the Lord gives us in verses 8 through 12. And so first of all, we see the Lord there with the observation. Notice again in verse 1, he's speaking to the multitudes, he's speaking to his disciples, and he tells them this. The scribes and the Pharisees, they sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. First of all, there's the observation. The Lord says, these guys are there. They're sitting in Moses' seat. So you, multitudes, disciples, do what they tell you to do. Observe the word of God is basically what he's saying. You know, the scribes were the teachers. They were the experts in the law. The Pharisees were the radically religious men whose name means separated ones. And both of these groups were held in high esteem by the common man, by the layman. And so Jesus here is kind of interesting. He acknowledges the fact that they sit in Moses' seat, which means that they do interpret the Bible and they do teach the Bible. They have this place, they have this position of delegated authority. And so the Lord says, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. As they hold you to the Bible, God's message through men like Moses, you need to obey it. That's what the Lord says. He says there in verse 3, observe and do. And so we'll just begin there. We can't miss this. We can't just move on to the problem with the scribes and Pharisees. We got to make sure we hold on to the principle of Christ. And he says, listen, you got to do what they tell you to do when they teach you God's word. God wants us to keep his word, to do his word, to learn his word, to live his word. We know that in James 1, verse 22, the Bible says to be doers of the word and not hearers only. In John 13, verse 17, Jesus said, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them, right? In Joshua 1, 8 says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe, there's that word again, observe, to do according to all that is written in it. And so the Lord teaches us that we need to be doers of the word. The Lord says, first of all, that there must be that observation. And here we see the Lord gives us the observation, but he also extends a stipulation there in the end of verse 3, but do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. Now, I just want to bring that up because it kind of belongs to the second point, but I want to bring it up because there are some people who will tell you, well, you know, I don't have to do what he tells me to do because he's not really like, you know, perfect. He's not really living the life. 
And there are unfortunately a lot of pastors like that. You know, it's a tough time, but there are times when God calls us to honor the position in spite of the person. You know, because someone might say, well, I'm not going to obey the teachings of the Bible because that Bible teacher over there, I heard it on the news, he's a hypocrite. He doesn't practice what he preaches. And so some will throw out the whole Bible with that truth. And yet Jesus says, no, that's not the way it works. You obey my teachings from God's word no matter what. You know, just because that man's a liar it doesn't make God's word untrue. And so we need to make sure that we understand, we make that distinction, you know. We're just vessels. The, the teachers are just vessels. Don't focus on the teachers. Focus on the truth. Focus on the Lord. Focus on His word. And Jesus says to us, and I know this might sound kind of weird, He says, do as they say and not as they do. Now, I don't encourage you guys to you know, raise your children like that or to live your life like that. But unfortunately, if you find yourself in that type of situation, the Lord says, you've got to hold to my word. Now, one thing I think we need to take into consideration here, it's kind of important, is to remember the context of the culture. You know, in those days, think about it. There was only one temple, right? In those days, there was only one synagogue in each city. And so if your leader in the synagogue was off, it's not like you could just go down the street to the next church. That's what we should do now. If your leader is a hypocrite, if that pastor is not living the life, then you know what? Rebuke him and leave. But that wasn't the situation they were able to do then, you know? Jesus here is not advocating hypocrisy, but he's just saying, hey, you know, these guys, these hypocrites, they're going to be judged one day. Don't focus on them, focus on me. He's simply teaching the people observation, and we need to have that in our heart no matter what. Obey my word with a stipulation. Don't be like them. You know, I have a terrible, terrible story of a man who, as a young man, was molested by a spiritual leader. You know, and that's got to be probably the most difficult thing any human being could go through. You know, and, 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 you know, you might say, Lord, you wouldn't expect him to continue to be a Christian because look what happened to him from a spiritual leader. And God would say, you know what? What that guy did was wrong. And one day I will tie a thousand pound rock around his neck and I'm going to throw him into the deepest part of the ocean. God says, I will judge him severely. But even so, you need to do what I say in my word. And that's kind of what the Lord is saying. And that's the principle we see, first of all, is the observation. With that stipulation, don't do as they do. And then he goes on to give us an explanation. And here in the explanation, really we're going to see kind of like five body parts to help you guys remember these things. Okay, number one, the first body part is shoulders. Because look what he says there in verse 4. For they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. The Lord says, do what they do, but don't do as they do. You know, and they might teach grace, but they, a lot of times, don't live grace. And so what they're doing a lot of times is they're binding heavy burdens on people. Imagine that, tying a heavy load on someone's back. 
Hey, carry it a couple miles, but unwilling to carry such a load yourself or even touch that load or help them with your finger. The NLT puts it this way, they crush you with impossible religious demands and never lift a finger to help ease the burden. Don't be like that, the Lord says. And he begins to explain how these scribes and Pharisees are. And it's kind of interesting. I don't know if anyone had ever done this before. Here the Lord is going to hammer them in Matthew chapter 23. He will expose their hypocrisy. We see that here and that's the way they were. You know, a lot of people thought, oh, these guys were the greatest. And really they they weren't. And there's a lot of that going on in the church today. You know, it's an observation that I was reading in this story right here. It's talking about in any great forest, you will find many huge trees and they tower above other trees and appear to be very, you know, strong and mature. However, loggers will sometimes not even bother to cut down these trees. And some might wonder why. After all, a tree that's so big and so prominent must contain twice or three times the amount of lumber as a smaller tree. But the reason is simple. Huge trees are often rotten on the inside. They are the hollow trees that children's picture books show You know, the raccoons living inside. And they are the trees that often are blown over in a strong windstorm because while they appear to be the strong tree and the mature tree, in fact, their hollowness makes them weak. And really, you guys, this is the essence of hypocrisy. Either you're real, either you're deep, either you're solid, or you're hypocritical. You know, and again, like I said, we all have it to a certain extent, but make sure that you don't have that in your heart. And I like the way that's worded, that, you know, you don't come to the point like these guys did. They pretended to be something they never intended to be. And that's where they were at. And so, man, these trees, man, they're there, and we see they're a good illustration of us, how we need to be deeper than that. You know, here we see that they laid these heavy burdens on their shoulders, but they weren't willing to help in any way, shape, or form. And some people are like that. They really are. They'll tell you what to do and they'll give you 115 commands. And then when they come to you or they call to you for help, you are not there. That happens a lot. You know, they'll preach, and I say unto thee, you know, pray for three hours a day and not your will be tormented in the flames of hell forever and ever, you know. And then, you know, they come up to you, Rabbi, Rabbi, can you pray for me? I'm struggling with this. And he says, hey, I don't have time. Go away. <laughs> and the Lord says, hey, man, don't be like, this is the way these guys were. We see there the shoulders. We see, secondly, the eyes. Look what it says in verse 5. And all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. There are people like this, you guys. They want to be seen by men. You know, the Lord talked about these guys in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6 and how they would do good deeds to be seen by men. They would even blow a trumpet. Think about how crazy that is. I'm going to do a good deed now and so you blow a trumpet. You know, and the offering basket comes by and they go, everybody look, and it goes in like that, you know. Or they're writing a check. Anybody looking? You know, we got to be so careful. That's the way they were. Everyone look at how holy I am. 
Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 that they prayed standing on the corners for everyone to see. And when they fasted, they would disfigure their face. It would look weird and they would appear to men to be fasting. You know, as Christians, we have to acknowledge that this right here is something that does appeal to our flesh. You know, it does feel good, huh, when people acknowledge how godly you are, huh? And when others don't think I'm right or right on, it kind of bothers us. And then we begin to tell them, well, this is what I am. This is how good I am. For these guys, it was so evident. They had these things, they were the phylacteries, and there were these leather boxes. And what they did was they took really a, a, a figurative commandment in the Old Testament, and, and they really and they made it a, a literal thing that really showed their hypocrisy. In the Old Testament, it talked about, you know, binding this word, you know, on your heart and your forehead. And, and uh, what the Lord was trying to say to them in the Old Testament, in the book of Deuteronomy, is to say, you know, cherish this Bible right here. Love it with all that you are. But what they did was they took and then they made phylacteries and they would put like a, think about it, a box on their forehead. And they would put scriptures inside of that box and they would walk around for everyone to see how holy they were and they would wear it on their wrist. It's an amazing thing when you think about it. They were so into being seen by men. They had their borders, which was the fringe of the garment. And, you know, the Jews, they had these things, you know, attached to their tassels, appendages, in order that it was supposed to remind them of the mantle of the law. And so it was all for show. They wanted to be seen by men. They wanted to be the center of attention. They wanted men to praise them for their godliness. And really, when you look at this, you look at the shoulders, you look at the eyes, you really see that it's a problem of the heart. You know, our ambition, you guys, please understand, shouldn't be to please men. It really shouldn't. When you have it in your heart where I just want to please the Lord, well, what will she think of me? Or what will he think of me? And when that becomes a dominant thought inside, you're already off track. It's got to be what, what does God know of me? Unfortunately, that's where these guys were falling so short. After the shoulders and the eye comes the seats and the ears. Look what it says there in verse 6. It says they love the best places at feasts the best seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplaces, and to be called by men, rabbi, rabbi. I mean, basically what you see here is just total pride. You know, you attend the feast and notice they've set you in a place of honor. And you just think, hey, this is the way it's supposed to be, man. Any service in the synagogue, you get the best seats. And, you know, as you're passing by, everyone honors you, rabbi, rabbi. And basically what happens, and I've seen it in the church, is that pastors or people, they come to that point where they expect that. And it's really not right. It's not. You know, some pastors, they get very prideful. They even get insulted if they don't get that special treatment or special title. And of course, it's not just pastors, right? This type of pride can pervert anyone. It could be a pastor, an assistant pastor, overseers, head ushers. You know, it doesn't matter if you're in charge of changing the paper towels, man. Let me tell you, once you get a position or or a title, so to speak, pride can so easily set in and you start thinking and dwelling on titles. That's where these guys were. It's a trap. 
that is so huge that so many people fall into it. You guys got to be so careful, man. God has given us grace to serve Him. You know, God has given us so much, you know, in His Word just to remind us of who we really are. And we can't lose sight of that. You know, it's been said that nothing intoxicates some people more than a little sip of authority. And that's what happens so many times. You know, I encourage you guys, man, in life to swallow your pride. It's non-fattening, man. If they don't call your name, if they don't call your title, or if they don't give you a special seed or a special greeting, who cares? That's not what it's about. The Lord here gives us the observation that we need to obey God's word. But don't do it like the Pharisees do because, man, they were way off. He gives us that explanation and we learn from that. And then he gives us that education, that admonition really the corrective cautionary teaching which kind of brings everything together and we see here in verse 8 first of all what the lord wants us to know is that we're all equal it's equality he says but you do not be called rabbi for one is your teacher the christ and you are all brethren what's the lord teaching he's teaching equality He said, you, and now he's addressing it to the guys that are being called the name. He's saying, you, don't allow people to call you with those special titles. You know, and here he uses the example of a rabbi. What he's trying to teach here is equality. Secondly, man's after man's equality comes God's majesty. In verse 9 and 10, he says, do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. And do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ. First of all, man's equality. Secondly, God's majesty. And I'll come back and elaborate on this. And then thirdly is the call of humility. Again, there in verse 11. He who is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. And so we kind of come full circle. We come all the way back around. The Lord says, listen... When the scribes and Pharisees, they teach you God's word, I want you to do what they say because the Bible is the final authority in life. But I, I, I want you to make sure that you're not like them. I mean, you can't go and leave in, you know, in another church and so you're, you're kind of stuck with these guys only for a season. I'm going to you know, get rid of them real soon. But what I want you to understand is that they are they're caught up in pride. They're, they're exalting themselves. That's the way they are. I just want you to know that that's not right. You, we need to know that God's kingdom consists of humility. It really does. You know, when it comes to men, please understand, God is not impressed with titles. And he doesn't want us to get hung up on these things. He really doesn't. You know, when we first started the church, I remember I shared with the group there in the home, and, you know, whatever you do, you, you know, you don't, you don't have to call me Pastor Manny. I remember sharing that. I distinctly remember that. And I've shared it again later on when we were in the park, and I guess now I need to share it again in the building, you know. You don't have to call me Pastor Manny. Some uh, people, you know, don't. They call me dog or dude, and that's fine if you want to, man. <laughs> I'm really not... I'm really not offended by that you know you know i have been graced by god to be a pastor i'm not running from that responsibility and i know i have a title 
But I do my best not to focus on the title, but just to focus on the task. What does a pastor do? He feeds the flock. He feeds them God's word. He tends to the flock. He loves them. That's what I pray God would allow me to do. I'm not caught up in a title. I am caught up in a task. And you know, and we don't really need to call people rabbi or teacher or pastor or doctor. I don't think we need to do that. Uh, we don't need to call anyone, especially father, in a religious context. Now, you can call your you know, biological father, father. I think that's great. But don't call some spiritual leader your father. I remember I used to have a Catholic background, Father Bramble. I'm just so amazed at how anti-biblical straight out they are. No, my spiritual father is only one. You see, there's the man's equality. There's God's majesty. And we know that, that the, the, the ground at the foot of the cross is level. There's no spiritual hierarchy here. There never will be. We need to know that no one is superior over another, that no one is positionally closer to Christ, that you don't need to go to them so that they can go to God for you. No, you are God's son and daughter. You can go straight to him. You know, and I know it's hard to accept sometimes, but believe me, we really need to have this in our heart. God, does he gives us verse 11 and 12 over and over again in the Bible. That he who is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled. But if you humble yourself, you will be exalted. Now I've seen some guys, some pastors think they're celebrities, driving around in some limo, and they're surrounded by bodyguards. And they, you know, don't talk to the common man. And it's just it's just not biblical. It's awful. It's ugly. You know, it's just the part of the body that that man happens to be in. You know, in God's kingdom and in this congregation, if you want to see who the greatest of all is, don't look at the pulpit. Don't look at the pastor, the teacher, or the title. No, it's really true. The greatest of all is the servant of all. And in every church, it's different. You know, in some churches, you know, the pastor might be a good servant. He might be working and praying very hard. He might be studying hard. He might truly be humble and sacrificial, you know, honestly caring for the congregation. He might be. I hope he is. But he might not. See, it's not the position or the pulpit. It's the servant. You see, greatness is not a matter of giftedness. A lot of people are very gifted. And God uses their gift in great ways. You know, God not only gives gifts, I believe, but he gives gifts that are strong. And so some might say, well, if he's got a strong gift of teaching or a strong gift of evangelism or whatever it might be, that he's great. No, one day you'll find out that he wasn't, that she wasn't. That it's about serving. It's about humility. God will use a donkey, but one day we'll find out. He really was a donkey, huh? See, greatness is not a matter of giftedness or position or title. It's a matter of humility. And if you exalt yourself, one day you will be humbled. It's a promise from God. But if you humble yourself, you will be exalted. Like the Lord said, we read it earlier in Matthew 18. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You know, we know and we read over and over again, the Lord loves humility. He hates pride. In Psalm 138, verse 6, Though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly. But the proud 
he knows from afar. And the prideful tend to be those who think they're all that. And none of us are. None of us are. You know, I've, I've noticed, you know, and just getting to know people, you know, that um, those who are, are, are humble are people who are transparent. You can kind of have a conversation with them and it doesn't take long. It doesn't take, you know, years to find out that they actually sin once in a while. They're very humble. Those are the great ones. Luke one fifty two. it says, He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. 1 Peter 5.5, five, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. You know, any honest Bible teacher will tell you it's one thing to teach God's word and it's another thing to live God's word, huh? And like so many today in America, all around the world, the scribes and the Pharisees, the pastors and preachers, the teachers, many of them are very good at teaching God's word. But many of them are not living God's word. And all God is calling us to today, you guys, is to really make sure that we don't take that path of the scribes and the Pharisees. He gives us that observation to obey God's word, but don't be like the Pharisees. And then he gives the explanation how hypocritical they were. He gives us this education today, really simple thing. Stay humble. Be humble. Be simple. Don't get distracted with guys and positions and titles and things like that. You guys, let's make sure that we focus on the Lord. And as we focus on the Lord, you will find, you know, maybe not now, but eventually one day, God will honor your obedience. I remember reading a story about a rich man who was a godly man. And this rich man invited uh, a lot of people to the feast. He had these guests that were there, and I guess they were involved in the ministry. And so what he did was there in his house, you know, he had them seat around the table, His own chair was a richly decorated chair and it was placed at one end of the long table. And so while he was away and all his guests filed in, each guest seated himself according to his own esteem of his position in the sight of the master. And you can kind of see that, right? Like, okay, there's the the main guy and all of a sudden, okay, you've got the assistants and you've got the, you know, whatever. You know, they're kind of trickling down until the very end of this table. You've got the people who don't even think they should be there, right? <laughs> and so what happens? Well, after everyone's seated, the rich man, the godly man, he comes in and he just walks over to his chair. He picks it up and he brings it all the way to the other side of the table. Why? Because everyone who exalts himself will be humble. But he who humbles himself will be exalted. We really need to know that this is our God. This is who we serve. Let's be real, you guys. Let's humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. And one day, man, he will lift you up for his glory. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for your word. Lord, I do pray that we would observe your word, that we would keep your word, that we would obey your word. I pray, Lord, that even though those in places and positions of authority might be setting a bad example, that we would never follow them, but that we would follow you, Lord. 
And Father, I pray that we would know what your word teaches, Lord, that as we humble ourselves, Lord God, you will be blessed. I just thank you for everyone here. Thank you for the work that you're doing, Lord. And now as we go and we have all these opportunities for ministry and and events and, and just so much that's going on, Lord, I pray you would lead this congregation, Father. I pray, Lord, you would make us a congregation that was faithful like Philadelphia and firm like Smyrna, even in the midst of persecution and perversity. Lord, we love you. We do ask that you would do a genuine work in our hearts. I love you so much, Lord. And I thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.